The Steelers are through the bye week, which means they got a game coming up this week. Before we do that, we got to look at back at those trades they made right before the deadline last week. And Ray Fittipaldo, Steelers beat writer, did a lot of looking into who they could be getting in the NFL draft with the pick that they have in the first round and their two second round picks, as well as what other moves that could be made. We'll talk about that. What does the offense do without Chase Claypool and what the coaches were talking about, what they're going to do and the impact of William Jackson, the third on the Steelers defense all right here on the North shore drive podcast from the Pittsburgh post. Cause I'm your host, Chris Carter here today with Ray Fittipato. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North shore drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipaldo. And we are here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Breaking all things down for you uh, on, on your Pittsburgh Steelers today. It's an all-Steelers show today. Remember, you can find the North Shore Drive Podcast on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. If you see this video on YouTube, like the video and subscribe to our channel to get all of our Pittsburgh Post-Gazette video content. And today's episode is brought to you the act by the Accuracy Fan Advantage and the power to project one of our Post-Gazette Steelers beat writers into your home or office. By using augmented reality, you can get an exclusive pregame breakdown from a Steelers expert standing right in your living room. Get the latest insights on starting lineups, key matchups, and critical stats at postgazette.com slash Advantage. No apps or downloads. Just inside either access to Steelers updates at postgazette.com slash Advantage and get a real edge on this week's action. Ray, first, before we get into... My, uh, my main topic here what did what does one Steelers beat writer do when they get a bye week <laughs> rake leaves cut the grass <laughs> uh go to Costco all that sort of stuff Chris nothing so, exciting I can tell you that so, so you don't fly to some beach and just chill chill and just like look at the ocean for for two days no you got to get those NFL paychecks to uh to do those kind of vacations <laughs> I hear that I hear that okay Bray, you wrote a very interesting piece for the weekend for the Post-Gazette about what the Steelers could get draft capital-wise. Now, just to remind people, the Steelers did make trades last, um, last week right before the deadline, trading Chase Claypool away for a Chicago, Chicago Bears second-round pick, their actual second-round pick, not the one they got from the Ravens for Roquan Smith. Um, they also traded away William Jackson, but for virtually nothing. It was a swapping of sixth and seventh-round picks in 2025. Who cares about that? Um, but the big thing is, one, I want to ask you, was that the right value for Chase Claypool? Was that was that more than what you expected? And what does this move do for their upcoming needs in the draft? Yeah, I mean, listen, I to, to get what's probably going to be an early second round pick, probably somewhere you know top forty to forty four pick. I mean, I, to me, that's a no brainer. If you're Omar Khan, um, there's no way you can't do that. The other way I look at it is Chase Claypool was the number forty nine overall pick of the twenty twenty draft. Uh, you basically use him up for two and a half years. You see what you have in him. You come to the realization that he is basically a number three receiver, and then you flip him for a draft pick that you need to rebuild your roster. And, oh, by the way, you're going to get an even higher selection than what you used to draft him originally. So for me, I think it was a great job uh, by Omar Khan to, to, to maximize his value there. And, uh, you know, I think – um, you know, once this thing gets going in the offseason, uh, I know we're going to talk about this later in the show, but you got cornerback to address. Mm -hmm. You see the way this secondary has played in the first eight games of the season. You got O-line and D-line got to shore up, and you got a whole host of other positions that need some attention too. So 
you know, three draft picks likely, you know, in the top 45 picks or so, that's going to be key for Omar Khan and uh, Andy Weidel as they try to rebuild this thing starting in uh, in February. That that is that is huge, and, and I think there's always the you know the, the the talk about what's most important in the Steelers for years. We always talk about best player available, but if if they draft anywhere near the top, like in the top fifteen, because again, I'm not one to think that they're going to finish with just two three wins on their schedule. I'm not. I don't think that they're going to have a top four, even five pick. They might get in the bottom of the top 10 if if if, if they stay on the tra- their trajectory. I, I look at their schedule and think they got a chance here. But even if they pick at 15, you're going to have a, you know, chances, A, one, to move up and go get it with that extra second-round pick, and maybe you you use some extra of that capital. But, B, this, it's just, this is a position that you're not really in it. It's really in it if you're the, if you're the Steelers. And, you know, say you are in the top 10, you get guy, a shot at a guy like a Will Anderson from Alabama, a Jalen Carter from Georgia, or Brian Brees, uh, Jalen Carter and Brian Brees, of course, uh, defensive lineman who could beef up there, but, or Peter Skaronsky, an offensive tackle. If you're the Steelers right now, Ray, what is, is there a position that you're prioritizing over all else? Well, here's the way I, you know, here's the way I look at it, Chris. Um, let's say they get the number. I'm just going to pick a number. Let's say they get the number eight overall pick. Okay. okay. So you have to look at the value when you're picking in the top 10. Uh, if there's not a franchise left tackle there, then I'm probably not going to pick an offensive lineman. Right. Um, you're not going to pick a center in the top no. 10. You're not going to pick a guard in the top 10. And there's some speculation out there. It's very early. Yeah, but Skaronsky, who's played left tackle, could end up being a right tackle or a mm-hmm. guard in the NFL. So I don't know that I'm going to spend um, a top 10 pick on an offensive lineman if it's not a franchise-type left tackle that you could plug in there for 10 to 12 years. Um, defensive line, yes, I would spend a top 10 pick on a defensive lineman, on an edge, maybe even a corner. The corners are kind of – Yeah, they could be so up and down. Yeah, I mean, you got Sauce Gardner this year. Everybody, oh, go out and get Sauce Gardner. Then there's other years where uh, what Vernon Hargreaves was what a a top ten pick. He was a he was a top pick five seven years ago, and he's basically been a full bust. So you know, I I I would be looking at edge. I would be looking at defensive line, um, possibly a franchise left tackle, and then after that, I think you know you could probably address cornerback later in the draft you could address a lot of other positions later in the draft but if you're picking in the top 10 Chris you got to get an impact player you got to get a guy who's going to come in here uh, be a possible all pro pro bowl type of player when you're picking that high it doesn't happen very often last time they did it they got Ben Roethlisberger Um, you don't want to talk about the last time they picked in the top 15 Marquise Pouncey I mean that's Mm -hmm. the difference between picking in the top half top 15 in the draft, and then when the Steelers have picked 16 to 32, like they have for most of the past decade, it's a huge difference in the quality of player that you might be able to get. Right, and, and, and also I think the difference will be here is they, they aren't reaching for one player. Like like when they traded up to get the 10th overall pick to get Devin Bush, that was because they tried the year before to get linebackers. By the time they got to their pick, all the guys that they wanted were gone, and that was definitely a desperation pick to replace the, the emptiness that was left from Ryan Chazier's injury. But this is a situation like you're right. They could look at so many different options, and I know there's probably some listeners out there that are thinking, whoa, wait, right, what, wait, edge rusher? They got T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. Great, what about this? What about this? You know that you have a good shot at Will Anderson Jr. 
um, or some of the other edge guys out there because he's not the only one. There's Miles Murphy out, out of Clemson. There's Nolan right. Smith out of Georgia. Right. There's Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. There's a lot of guys out that you could put there. What if you know, hey, we're getting one of those guys with that first round pick? And you and let's let's say Alex Highsmith finishes on a similar pace that he's been on. He gets six and a half more sacks in the season. He finishes with 13. Then he's an edge rusher that other teams might look at and say, hmm. Maybe we should be coughing up a draft pick for this guy so that we don't have to get into an auctioning war with him uh, in free agency after next year. Is that a move you think the Steelers consider? Yeah, absolutely. I think what you saw this past week with Omar and the way he handled this trade deadline, I think anything is possible. But when and whenever you have a chance to get an impact um, playmaker at a position such as edge, which we all know is so, so important, for this defense, and we'll see how that changes with with Andy Weidel in charge of the draft. I know True. he's been into he's been more into interior linemen if you look at his history. So mm-hmm. um, you know you, you you could sort of make an argument of of which direction they might go, but you're not going to turn your back on on a on a guy um, like Miles Murphy or yeah. um, uh, Anderson if he's there in the draft. Um, you plug him in, you play him, and then if Alex Highsmith. Um, is here for only four years, then oh well, that's that's the way it goes. Or you flip him in, in a trade next offseason. I think for, if you do that, you're dealing from uh, a position of strength and you're not necessarily picking for need when you go into the draft next year. You're merely picking the best player and then you're making your, your roster work from there. So um, that's what I'm talking about. When you pick in the top 10, there's no way at all you're ever picking for need you're taking the best player available on that board. And that gets you better opportunities to get hits like Ben Roethlisberger when he was picked 11th overall. I want to talk to Ray more about what, what what these trades did to the offense because uh, he got a chance to speak to Matt Canada, to all the offensive assistants last week during the bye. And then we got a chance to kind of look at, like, you know, what do this, what will the Steelers' offense look like without Chase Claypool, who, you know, as bad as the Steelers' offense was, he was making some of the plays on it, you know, that while, while it was being bad, in the, especially the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about that and more in a few minutes here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Liquid Death. Liquid Death is, of course, the also, the awesome Mountain Spring water brand that comes in a tall boy can. It's just refreshing water, taste. It looks like it's coming out of a beer can, like a tall boy Miller Lite. But no, it's just water to here to hydrate you. And why they call it Liquid Death? Well, Liquid Death is called that because it's here to murder your thirst and it's here to murder plastic pollution because 10% of Every pro- of all the profits from every can sold will go to fighting plastic pollution around around the globe. So when you're getting Liquid Death, you're not only not only helping your own health with getting fresh water, you're helping the, the health of the planet. So do both at the same time by getting some Liquid Death right now. You can do that at your local Target, 7-Eleven, or a county fair, or find Liquid Death retailers near you with their store locator located at liquiddeath.com slash shore. That's liquiddeath.com slash shore. We're also brought to you by Valley Pool and Spa. Wouldn't it be nice if the holidays were stress-free? At a hot tub, a hot tub, a swim spa, or a sauna from Valley Pool and Spa will help you feel like it is. Relax and soak in a hot tub or swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa before the snow flies. Refresh re- and rejuvenate in a full Phileo sauna that is sure to melt your stress away faster than frosty in Aruba. Save big now on all in stock hot tubs, swim spas, and hot tubs by visiting valleypoolspa.com. That's valleypoolspa.com. Hey. 
Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Ray Fittipato, and we are of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Okay, Ray, so they traded away Chase Claypool, and it gets you that extra second-round pick, and then you can start looking at all those draft picks. But you still have to look at this offense before you get to that draft, right? So now you're in a position where the offense has to find a way, find a way to, to, to improve. They are among the worst offenses in the NFL. They're like, right now, going into this week, they, they are scoring the least points per game. They're scoring 15 points per game. That is dead last. But... This is a rookie quarterback. This is an offense that's, that's looking for its identity. How does this offense move forward after giving up a playmaker in Chase Claypool right now? And what are the things that you heard from the coaches? Yeah, Mike Tallman talked about this on Wednesday before they broke for their four-day weekend. And basically, the way he explained it, it's almost like a streamlining process, right? So for Kenny Pickett, you had Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryermuth, um, uh, you had George Pickens, you had all these miles that you had to feed in that offense. And even though they weren't prolific, they struggled. By trading away Chase Claypool, you almost simplify things for your rookie quarterback. Okay, now he knows, okay, Deontay Johnson, you're my number one receiver. Uh, George Pickens, you're my number two receiver. Mm -hmm. And Pat Firemuth, now you're the main guy inside in the slot. So if people were speculating, well, you know, Steven Sims, Miles Boykin, who's going to get those extra reps? Well, really, when you when you look at it, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, he's going to get a lot of those snaps in the slot now, and they'll fill in with a Miles Boykin and a Steven Sims and maybe even a Gunnar Olszewski um, if they have to. So a lot of people think, oh, you're taking a weapon away from Kenny Pickett, but I'm telling you, the way the Steelers are thinking about this is it's almost making it easier for him because he knows, okay, I'm going to go to my main guys. I'm going to feed George Pickens. I'm going to feed Deontay. I'm going to feed Fryermuth, and then we'll make the offense work from there. I, I feel you on that because, and, and Matt Canada talked about it. He said, you know, we could, one, one, he also said, we want to do more complicated things. We want to do more sophisticated things, but we can't do the basics right now. And so that you can't open up the playbook if you can't do the first pages, the first plays on the first pages of the playbook. And I, I kind of, I emphasize with that. I get that because that, that's, that's something that you're sitting there like, yeah, you know what? How how am I going to expect you to pull off, you know, step ten of this offense when you can't pull off step four? So I, I feel on I feel him on that, but I, I also guess like you know, part of it is looking at the middle part of the field. And Chase Claypool was the guy, one of the guys that ran in the middle part of the field more often than others. He, he they used his big body to go there. Has it simply been just the volume of having to worry about other things that you think has slowed things down for Kenny Pickett's uh, progression? Because, you know, I wasn't one of the people that thought that he was going to be a superstar in his first year and just figure everything out right away. But, you know, there was the one thing that he brought to the NFL was his vision of the field had been really good and it hasn't been really good for some weeks. Is, is this something that legitimately does help him in his processing? No, nah, he, he's not seeing things overall. It's just not the middle yeah. of the field. He's not seeing things on the outside either. And, you know, I had an interesting – I one a source at Pitt told me this early in the season before uh, Kenny Pickett was even playing. Mark Whipple came in last season and really simplified things for that Pitt offense. You had Jordan Addison, right, mm -hmm. 
and you had the tight end that he liked, two tight ends that he liked, and then he would sprinkle it around from there. He had very much defined reads in that offense, you know, really first and second reads, and he wasn't going much beyond that. Now every NFL quarterback is going to have to go to three, four, and five, and eventually Kenny Pickett's going to have to do that. But if the Steelers in the second half of the season can simplify things for him just a little bit and just maybe break it down to where he was a little bit more comfortable last year, and then that whole picture will develop down the road, right, reading your progressions, your third and third and fourth and fifth receivers, then that's going to come with time. But I think they got to find a way to simplify things um, for, for Kenny right now. Mark Whipple did it last year, and I think Matt Canada and that offensive staff have to find a way for him to do it this year as well. No, I feel you. And Mark Whipple did do a big part of it. And, you know, some of it was also a mix of focusing on the receivers that that made a difference. Like, for example, like you said, with Jordan Addison and what he did, you know, I was covering Pitt, you know, during that time. And the year before, Pitt's receivers had the most drops in college football. They, they, they were just they were unreliable and, and spreading it around wasn't working. But by focusing it to your best player and letting him be the guy that made plays for you. I think that that uh, that gave them a chance to say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, let's let let let's simplify the game. Let's get it to the playmaker, and then eventually, yeah, we'll dial up to play to Lucas Crawl or Tacey or Mac or some things right. like that." And that allowed him to kind of be more comfortable. And maybe that is the ticket here, because frankly, one of the things that we say after every game, Ray, right now is, "Where are the targets to George Pickens? As good as this kid has looked, as much as as much of a playmaker as he looks, why isn't why isn't he, why isn't he getting the ball?" I I. I I vibe with this. I understand this because if this means that he's getting more targets, you know, I think it's not, it might be something that they could help the offense. Uh, even though they, they did lose a player who could be a playmaker in chase Claypool. Yeah. And it's almost like Kenny Pickett has to learn how to trust his playmakers as well. Cause there might be, he, he's missing open receivers. We, we all know that we all look at the games afterward. He's missing guys, but there's also going to be situations when you have six foot four, George Pickens, and a guy might be running with them, but you got to know that you're going to give your guy a chance to go one-on-one and to make a play for him too. So, you know, that's something that I think the Steelers offense has to explore as well. You know, talking to Mike Sullivan last week, um, I think this was on Tuesday, and he said Kenny Pickett's accuracy on deep balls hasn't been there. So yeah. not, only just, not only does he have to look at these guys more and just in his head think, okay, I'm going to give him more of a shot – He's got to be more accurate when he does take those shots. And now Sullivan also said, you know, he's got to put the ball in places in the short and the intermediate game so they get runs after the catch too. That's important. But Kenny Pickett just hasn't been as accurate as you need to be to be a dangerous offense down the field. I agree with that sentiment. Now, Ray, I wanted to get your clarification on something because there was a tweet that was sent out from uh, our guy Andrew Filipponi at, at 93.7 The Fan about your an interview that you had with him on there. And in, in the tweet, he says that, you know, uh, revelation that, a revelation that you revealed was that Mike Tomlin went all in on Matt Canada and let him hire his own offensive assistants. Uh, and he says that, that this is Andrew, not you. He says this is proof that Tomlin is losing his grip on things. And he says that Canada has a, he has a Canada blind spot. And he says it's make it's making him question his ability to do his job. And you know, he says that if you and also something that you did that that you were said to have said on the on the fan was that uh, if you get rid of Canada, you might need to make some wholesale changes. I, I agree with you that one, whenever Canada goes, you know, a lot of people thought it was going to be in the middle of the season. I said it probably wasn't going to be. It was probably going to happen after the season. But whenever Canada goes, I can see some wholesale changes on the offense to just get it. You know what? New identity behind whoever else you bring in here. But is it? 
that uncommon for an offensive coordinator to get some say in who he gets to work with on his staff or was it, or was that a a bold move by the Steelers? No, that's, I mean, I mean, just go back and look at it. I I went back um, and looked at it the, the, the day at the day they hired Pat Meyer. I remember writing Mike Tomlin better get this one right because he's now gone through five offensive line coaches in five seasons and Pat Meyer better be the answer. So no, you go back and look at the connections uh, Matt Canada has worked with Eddie Faulkner in the past. He has mm-hmm. worked with Frisman Jackson in the past. He had not worked with Pat Meyer, but Frisman Jackson had worked with Pat Meyer. So all these people are familiar with the types of things that Matt Canada wants to do with his offense. And that's, it only, uh, you know, stands to reason that he would go to Mike and say, Hey God, this is who I feel comfortable with. But again, Mike Tomlin is the guy who has to sign off on it and feel comfortable with those guys. You know, the one guy, that I think that they might keep even if they do fire Matt Canada just because of the continuity. And the offensive line hasn't played great thus far. But why would you want to go six offensive line coaches? And six? I agree. If there's any redeeming qualities at all about Pat Meyer, I think he's a guy that you would maybe look to keep. Um, and then you go, you know, you go from there. But uh, yeah, I'm just saying, I don't think it's a, uh, I, I didn't think it was breaking news that Matt Canada you know, was able to get some guys on his staff that he worked with before. I think we all heard the complaints from the 2021 season. You know, you had Ben Roethlisberger running the offense. That wasn't the type of quarterback he wanted. Okay, now you got Kenny Pickett. You got the quarterback you want. You mm-hmm. didn't have the types of assistant coaches who were, you know, who, who were familiar with what he was doing. So we had the much publicized thing with Adrian Clem last year. Yeah. Leaving in the middle of the season, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously some friction there that, that dynamic was not working. So, um, you know, as you go along here, I think it's only natural that you give your offensive coaches guys that they can work with and want to work with. And, uh, you know, I don't think that was strange. I do think just pointing out that if you do fire Matt Canada, then you are going to have to make some choices there, right? Okay. Pat Meyer, can he work with my new offensive coordinator? Frisman Jackson, you know, do we want to start over again with receiver? Can Frisman Jackson work with a new guy too. So these are all things that Mike Tom is going to have to consider, um, you know, in January, if indeed he does move on from that. No, I I feel you on that. Uh, In your mind, Ray, if you were assigned percentages to it, what's the percentage that Matt Cannon is the offensive coordinator of this team next season? I mean, I can't, I can't, go high, I can't go higher than 5%, Chris. Higher than 5? I thought you were about to say 50. Other people. Yeah. Higher than 5. So he is gone. I don't. How do you keep him? I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, that's not. That's not me challenging you, Ray. That's me just being be, being like I. I thought you were gonna play like the you were gonna like you know play like yo. I'm playing back. I'm gonna put some money on this number over here and roulette and this number. No, you're just saying you know all chips. This guy is out of here, Chris. If you're last in scoring. If you can't run the ball any better than you ran the ball five years ago, if your number one receiver doesn't have a touchdown, which he doesn't through eight weeks, um, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? I I mean, I thought that uh, Mike Tomlin maybe should have moved on after last season and he brought him back. So anything is possible. Don't listen to me. But, uh, yeah, if you want a percentage from me right now, I'm going to say 5%. My my last thing on the offense before we rotate to defense in the next segment, is there a chance – that the uncertainty at the quarterback position is the reason they're with Matt Canada right now in the first place. Because like when Randy Feetner was gone, right. 
Ben Roethlisberger was still going to be around for another year. You don't know if they're drafting a quarterback. Was was that uneasiness the reason that they kind of just they like they almost had to go with Canada, or was it even it, even if Ben Roethlisberger was in his prime, like Canada was just going to be there anyway? There was nobody else that was coming to Pittsburgh. I think Mike Tomlin wanted to give Matt Canada a chance to run his offense, okay. with a mobile quarterback and to see what it looked like without Ben Roethlisberger running the show. That's what I think. I mean, even though. A lot of signs pointed towards things not working last season with Matt Canada. I do think Mike wanted to give him a chance and let's say, hey, more than one season. Okay, now you got two full years. This is what you are after two years. Then I think maybe Mike or whoever makes that decision would feel more comfortable that they at least gave it, you know, more than one year before you made that call. All right. I hear you on that. Uh, oh, you know what? I will ask one more thing. I apologize. I, I keep sticking with this. The theory that Mike Tomlin is only doing this for Matt Canada because Dino Tomlin went to Maryland. What's your take on that? I mean, that was so long ago, Chris. I know there's a relationship there. And, you know, there's probably some good feelings between the two because he gave him a shot. You know, I know, you know, Dino wasn't a guy. If you look back, I think was Dino a three star. He was a three-star. He had an offer from Pitt. He had offers from Iowa State. And he he chose to go to Maryland after yeah. Matt Canada was was gone from there. Yeah, so he had some other Power Five offers. And it yeah. wasn't like he was um, – I, I know he was also like Ivy League and Patriot League, that sort of thing, before mm -hmm. some of these other offers came. So, I don't know, maybe there are some feelings there. Maybe how that's, that's how the relationship started, you know, in addition to Mike getting to know him in 2016 when he, when he was at Pitt. So, you know, deep down, is that a reason for Mike Tallman not to fire Matt Cannon? No, I don't think that's a reason, but I'm not going to deny that there's probably, you know, some, some, some connection, some good feelings and some, you know, uh, you know, some base level connection there in the past that, uh, you know, they both felt good about and do feel good. About. Just curious there. I, I I feel you like there's like definitely like, yeah like I know that guy and I'm not gonna I don't I don't hate the guy uh, you know or you know even might even like the guy but I when people the people that push the narrative that like that's the only reason that Matt Canada is still around I, I think that that's a that's going a little bit yeah. too far I think it, it, there's other reasons for that but anyways we got to talk defense because there was a trade on the defensive side of the ball to get a new cornerback we'll talk about William Jackson the third and Ray's outlook on that situation but first we got to talk to you guys about Yinzes and the Berg Yinzes and the Berg. Listen up. This is the place where all you Yinzers can go get your new Pittsburgh sports gear. And look, I know it's rough. The Penguins have lost seven straight. The Steelers are two and six. All gloom seems tough right now. But guess what? You'll bet the way to help to fight that is to show you support for your black and gold. No matter, you know, you no matter who, no matter what their record it is, you're sticking in with your with your guys through thick or thin. And the best way to do that is get some new Pittsburgh gear at Yinz's in the Berg. And it's easy to do that. Just go to their two strip door, strip district stores where you can find all of their legendary gear. Also, there's their online presence, yinzerspgh.com. That's yinzerspgh.com where you can get all your Pittsburgh sports apparel, accessories, and much, much more at Yinz's in the Berg at again Yinzers. PGH.com. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, we, I'm Chris Carter here with Ray Fittipaldo from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Ray, we got to talk about the defense because they went and got William Jackson the third. Now, William Jackson the third, not a Jalen Ramsey, not a, a, a pure CB1 that's going to just blanket Jamar Chase every week. But to me, this seemed like a trade. It's like, hey, Akella Witherspoon did not work out this week, and he hasn't worked out much this year. So let's get a guy who's healthy, can go in there, 
And he's not going to be shut down central, but he can bump and run with guys. He's been a top corner. You wanted him in the draft six years ago when he was coming up, when the Bengals traded ahead for him. What's your read on the impact that William Jackson III can realistically make for this defense? Yeah, I mean, I just think they they came to the realization that um, their cornerbacks weren't cutting it and they had to make a move, um, you know, to sort of stabilize things in the second half of the season. And you you mentioned it at the top, Chris, it's a very low-risk move, basically a, a waiver wire claim when you look at the compensation. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, it's three years down the road and probably is never going to happen um, anyway. So, uh, you know, it's really it's, it, it's a roll of the dice. We'll see if if Will Jackson works out. If he does, you know, the Steelers can maybe come to terms with him on a, on a more um, reasonable contract. I don't think they're going to pay him – no. $9.2 million in base salary that he's due next year. I don't think that's a realistic option, even if he plays great. But, um, you know, Levi Wallace hasn't played great. He's kind of been injured in and out of the lineup. Akella Witherspoon, same thing, injured. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of slow to come back from that hamstring injury. When he does come back, he's not very roasted. Good. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I wrote about this on, on Sunday. You can get out from under both of those contracts – with a total of $3 million in dead cap hits if you mm. want to move on from both of those guys. So, um, and Cam Sutton, Cam Sutton's a, uh, an unrestricted free agent after the season ends. So you have issues at cornerback one way or the other. I think the second half of the season, they got to figure out who they want to go forward with. Um, you know, do you want to sign Cam Sutton to another mid-level contract? Maybe with designs on him eventually becoming a slot corner, maybe not an outside corner. Do you want to do that? Or are you happy with Cam Sutton? Maybe you pay him $5 million a year again and just, you know, you, you you run it back with him. But I think Wallace isn't cutting it. Witherspoon isn't cutting it. We'll see if Will Jackson cut, cuts it. But I think we talked about three of those picks in the top 40 next year. I think one of those definitely has to be a cornerback, Chris. And an outside cornerback because you know what? outside cornerback. You, you've got to address that. And the only way you do that, you can't be taking flyers on right. guys Third. like Justin Lane and you know yeah. pick eighty or ninety. You can't do that. You gotta you you gotta get guys with pedigree, and those guys come in the first and second round. And you, for once, for the first time since Artie Burns, I think you got to do that. But I'm not saying first round, but I'm saying once in those top forty picks, and you got three, I think you got to draft a corner. No, I'm right with you. I mean, you could get a guy like, you know, if, if you go super early, like South Carolina's Cam Smith, he's a guy that, you know, he, he has the athleticism. He makes really good plays in the ball. You could wait later and get everyone, the guy everyone's talking about, you know, because of the obvious connection to the Steelers and Joey Porter Jr. for Penn State. You could probably get him in the second round. There, there's there's a lot of guys out there that you open the door to uh, by getting that. But Looking at this, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to keep Cam Sutton because that dude could still play in the slot and play outside and kind of help you. And he knows your defense. And, you know, I think he's a good tone setter, you know, for, for that group. He's not the best playmaker, you know, out there because he's, you know, he drops a lot of interceptions, but he's in position. I think he's feisty. He challenges guys around the field. I think all of those things are good, but you still need a playmaker. You need a guy who can take away, who, who can mat- match up with Jamar Chase and give him a hard time. And, right. you know, William Jackson, the third, I think is 
better than a Keller Witherspoon at that because I think he bumps and runs a lot better. Well, you know, I was talking to guys who have, you know, watched him with the Washington Commanders and watched how he's grown as a player. And I think there's a sense that, like, you know, you know, he can bump and run better. He's not a good zone corner, but, you know, he's going to give you that aspect of it. But you need a guy who does everything. And that might be the answer in the draft in the long run. But I, I think the biggest concern that everyone has is, is this the week that TJ Watt finally comes back, Ray? Jerry Dulac reported on that, you know, earlier in the year. He said that's when he's coming back. Yeah. Is is it the week that he comes back, Ray? And do we see an immediate impact with him being back on the field against the Saints? Oh, yeah. He, he's coming back, and TJ is going to come back close to 100%. So um, I, I think you're going to get the full TJ Watt, and that's going to be a, a huge thing for that pass rush, right? I mean, Alex Highsmith is going to be better. Cam Hayward's going to be better. All those guys in the front are going to be better um, because of TJ's presence. And let me just go back to the secondary for one thing. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's it happened. You know, TJ got injured, and the one positive that might come out of this is you go into the offseason now knowing, okay, we saw what our corners look like without a pass rush. You know, maybe last season you look at the Witherspoon signing, you're like, you know, he played pretty well. <laughs> right. He got some turnovers, right? Let's let's see what he can do again. Now you know your corners are not good enough. So you go out, hey, let's see next season the pass rush is back to what it is. You still go and add a playmaker that's going to make your defense that much better. You're not going to be fooled by any of those guys anymore. So that's the one positive that comes out of this TJ injury. I think it really put a spotlight on how um, I don't want to say how bad their corners are, but how um, how they can improve in that area. I, I think that was that's one good thing that came out of this TJ Watt injury. I think it's certainly something to look at. I mean, like you said, they got to test these guys. See, how do you do when the best edge rusher in football and maybe the best defensive player in football is is right there for is right there uh, creating play? You know, how do you do when he's not in the lineup? And then how do you do when he's back in the lineup? You know, I, I think that's certainly a concern. Uh, that's a, something that you could take out of this. And you know, again, you know, for Cam Sutton, you know, he was probably the one guy who did not falter as much. In this situ- yep. in the situation, a lot of teams tried to go at him. He, you know, statistically, when you look at Pro Football Focus and their charting of you know targets and completions allowed and what was allowed after that, Camp Sutton's the best of that group. And to me, like that's a veteran. You've drafted him. You've developed him. He's been in your locker room. You know, if if you know if I'm if I'm Mike Tomlin and I'm Omar Khan and I'm draft, I know I'm drafting a young cornerback to come up in this defense. It might help having a guy like that who's been part of this defense to kind yeah. of help that guy bring bring himself along. I agree. And there's probably a price that they have in mind for him. He's making four and a half million the last two years. You know, they're probably going to have him right in that five to $6 million range again. And listen, somebody might come out and knock his socks off with an offer. They might. It happens. He go, hey, he didn't go to free agency last year, right? He was one of these guys who signed, I think, two or three days before free agency began. So we'll see what he wants to do um, you know, th- this time around. Maybe he does want to – Go test the waters, but if if he's in that five to six million range, and like you said, they are going to draft a young corner to be that number one guy. I agree with you. Cam Sutton is the perfect guy to sort of keep around to do that. Absolutely, we'll keep all, all eyes and ears on the Steelers' defense this this week, especially with the news of T.J. Watt supposedly being back. You can find about that first at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, where Ray, Jerry, Brian will all be at the facility all week long, getting you ready for Steelers Saints. This show, the North Shore Drive Podcast, we'll be back Wednesday. We'll be talking more things about the middle of the week. By then, we'll probably know that T.J. Watt is back or not. We'll be addressing other things, how the Steelers are looking going into this week, and 
we might get you also some Penguins talk to see what the heck is going on with Crosby, Malkin, and the boys over there because it's been a rough stretch for them as well. Ray, thanks again for joining me, Chris Carter, on the North Shore Drive podcast. It's always fun doing with you, man. We'll be back here with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette again on Wednesday, but check every day on here for fresh content on our YouTube page, also on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for all the podcasts, all the content from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Again, from Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato, have a great start to your week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.